Welcome in to another edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. I'll be with you for the next hour until 9 o'clock talking all things Brewers, all things baseball. We are getting closer and closer and closer to opening day at Miller Park as the Brewers are going to be taking on the Colorado Rockies. And something has happened this week for me. All of a sudden, you know, last week here on the program, we kind of went over some numbers from spring training and I gave you the whole spiel about, ah, it doesn't really matter, it's early, yada, yada, yada. That's still all true. But to me, some of these numbers, some of these results, things like that, they're starting to uh, have some significance, and we'll touch on that here uh, on the program today. If you'd like to get involved in the show, you can always uh, give us a call or text us. Have the text line up and ready to go. You can call or text the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That's available to you at 414-799-1620. Again, 414-799-1620. You can always uh, tweet at me, at Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. Always enjoy the, uh, the the Twitter conversation as we get that uh, throughout the course of the week, uh, in addition to uh, during the program. And before I go any further, just want to throw this plug out because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of what we've got going on. If you aren't uh, in tune with everything we've got going on at WTMJ Mobile, which is accessible uh, through WTMJ.com, through the WTMJ app, through iTunes, wherever. Uh, we've got a whole uh, network of podcasts that we're doing, including a weekly Brewers-related podcast that I host. And uh, generally that thing uh, comes out late, late, late Sunday night or even first thing Monday morning, like after midnight. So when you wake up Monday, it should be available to you. It's called Brewers Extra Innings, just like the name of our postgame show. It's Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. would love for you to uh, listen into that every week. So if you want more Brewers content, we got it for you right there. Uh, we talk with different uh, broadcasters from the minor league affiliates. We talk with uh, bloggers and other podcasters and things like that. It's a, it's a bunch of fun. So uh, make sure to check that out. Again, all the details of WTMJ Mobile available to you at WTMJ.com. You know, I was thinking about the numbers stuff in large part because of what we learned after the game today. What we learned after the game is that we're going to see Ryan Braun in the lineup tomorrow. And the reason I think that's somewhat notable is because Braun basically says, look, I don't need a ton of time in the field. Or really, it's more about the at-bats. I, he, he basically said he doesn't need a lot of time in terms of getting game at-bats to be ready. He likes getting into spring training games to, you know, to be able to run, have the cleats on, work on routes in the outfield, things like that. It's not about the, the at-bats. So, so I get that. Uh, but I also feel like now that Braun's going to play, and he's supposed to play tomorrow, now that Braun's in, this is kind of when these, these spring training games actually start to matter. And we're starting to see a few guys get optioned down to minor league camp. So that also tells you, you know, the, the roster size is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and guys are getting more and more time. And you know, probably a few guys are still sticking around in large part because of the World Baseball Classic and uh, the, the extra opportunities that are available because a number of Brewers uh, players, both major and minor league players, are participating in the WBC. But this is the time when, when numbers kind of start to matter and games start to matter and these things almost start to resemble an actual major league game. Now, I say that with a caveat. 
I was listening today. The Brewers uh, beat the Padres 8-2. The Brewers are on quite a run, by the way, uh, in terms of what they're doing in spring training play. You know, Not that these wins and losses matter, but you'd rather win than lose. And they're doing a whole bunch of uh, winning, for the most part, here so far. But uh, the, there was a point in the game today where I think it was the Padres uh, chain basically did a, they did a line change with everybody. And I was listening to uh, to Jeff Levery and Lane Grindle, and you know they were trying to go through all the changes. As someone who broadcast baseball for for ten years uh, in the minor leagues and hope to be broadcasting baseball again in the future, I can tell you, spring training games sound like the absolute worst thing in the world to have to do because you know, you have your commercial breaks to like fill in stuff on your scorebook, and minute and a half or so, you know, a minute by the time you start to realize that there's changes coming. It takes longer than that to start putting guys on the uh, on the score sheet. So that sounds uh, that sounds like a pretty miserable deal when you've got the entire team changing over. And uh, that was the that was the case today with uh, with the game against the Padres. But Lane and Jeff were all over it. Actually, Lane kind of handed it, or Jeff handed it to Lane to do that. But the Brewers are uh, they're eight and five in Cactus League play, and they have won six games in a row. So so far, so good. Uh, for the Brewers. So here's what's on the program today that we're going to get to. Uh, the, today there were a number of prospects that played and were in the starting lineup, and guys you're not going to see breaking camp with the Brewers, but guys that are very, very, very important to the future of this organization. And the fact that they're playing in these big league spring training games tell you they're close. And for for one guy in particular, the fact that he's performing pretty well starts to kind of shed some light on maybe who the certain position player of the future might be. And we'll get into that coming up uh, later on. Is it time to start worrying about what you're going to get out of uh, Eric Thames at first base? That goes back to when numbers matter. And he is somebody who has not quite found it at the plate in spring training. And it's probably still a little too early for that conversation, but if I'm sitting here a week from now and it's the exact same thing, I don't, I don't think it's too early for that conversation yet. I think this is, I don't want to say it's a big week for him because he's going to be the starting first baseman for, for the Brewers this year. But in terms of confidence that he's going to be able to do the job, I think this is a big week. I want to feel better about Eric Thames going into next year, or going into this year, I should say, than I feel right now. Uh, somebody that I do feel somewhat good about is uh, Jesus Aguilar, who's really putting together one heck of a spring, where he's got a couple home runs. He's hitting darn near 500, and we'll talk about him. And I guess that's a if he continues to put up those kind of numbers and Thames does not, at what point do you start to have, you know, a a first base controversy? I don't think it's going to come to that. I'm, I'm being, you know, Captain Sports Talk host guy right now when I say something like that. But it's just something to keep your eye on. As you uh, as you move forward, there was a uh, there was a column in the Journal Sentinel. At least it's online at JS Online. I don't know if it was uh, posted today, so it's going to be in the paper copy coming up tomorrow. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a paper copy around, but it's on JS Online. I know that. And uh, it was written by Gary D'Amato, talking about Ryan Braun's legacy. And essentially, the, the headline is Ryan Braun's legacy complicated. And we we touch on Ryan Braun on occasion on the program. You know, a lot of times when I get into Braun on this show, it just becomes a, a free-for-all on phone calls because there's so many people who have strong opinions on each side of it. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I love the fact that I get to cover a baseball team that has a fan base of people who really care. It makes my job so much better. I, I enjoy hearing from you. But sometimes i got to be careful with how often I bring up Braun so we just don't go down down a conversation and don't get back away from it. But uh, in the second half hour, i to touch on Ryan Braun a little bit and the legacy and, and jump off from that column that was in, uh, in the Journal Sentinel. It was a good column, and it brought up some interesting points. At one point in the column, Gary D'Amato asks a question. One of his, uh, one of his paragraphs is essentially a question, and I'm going to answer that question. I know he wrote it, so essentially you, as the reader, could answer it. Well, I'm going to try to answer it, and we'll give you the opportunity to answer it as well. And we may, if we have time, we'll get into the World Baseball Classic. It's been fun. I don't, the, the question I have for you is how much does it, how much does it matter? Like, how invested are you in wins and losses? I'm enjoying having the games on. I'm enjoying having the games on at all hours. I do a lot of work from home, and I'm, I do work at, at all hours. A lot of times I'm up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And being able to throw the TV on at that time and have a, have a baseball game on, sometimes by that time the baseball game's in the fourth inning. But uh, to be able to have a baseball game on at that time as I'm sitting down to do some work, it's nice. I like it. But do I really have a vested interest? You know, when Team USA plays, obviously I want Team USA to win. But if they lose, am I going to be crushed? I don't think so. It's not like the Olympics. Uh, I, I think Team Israel is just a great story, a spectacular story. And it's got a Brewers connection with Cody Decker. And I learned today that there's going to be a, uh, a documentary produced. I'm a big documentary guy. I love sports documentaries. Always watching them. And the more obscure the topic, the better as far as I'm concerned. But I learned today that uh, there's a sports documentary being put together. Cody Decker, the Brewers minor leaguer, is somewhat involved with it. His fiance is uh, Jen Sturger. That name might uh, ring a bell to some of you out there. And uh, she's involved in media stuff as well. And she's, in, she's involved in the documentary, so I look forward to seeing that. But Team Israel has been a great, great, great story, and I've enjoyed being able to uh, be able to see that. So that's the show. we got a lot to get into today here between uh, now and 9 o'clock. Again, if you want to join us, you can do so on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. When we come back, I'll look back at today's game, and specifically the prospects that appeared in today's game and what those guys may be able to do for the Brewers going forward. It is Brewers Weekly. We're back with more in a moment here on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continuing here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. If you want to give us a call, you can do so. You can also text us on the same number. That's very nice because if you save the number in your cell phone, you don't have to have two different numbers, one to text and one to call. They both work to do, or they you, the number works to do both things. It's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line at 414-799-1620. Or feel free to uh, always tweet at me, at Matt Pauley Radio. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y radio. Interesting lineup today. Maybe lineup's the wrong word, but uh, interesting group of players. How about that? Interesting group of players that was used uh, by Craig Council in today's Brewers spring training game. The Brewers win 8-2. They improved to 8-5 and in the Cactus League. But you start looking at some of the individuals, and you start to have these dreams, these thoughts 
of what the Brewers are going to look like in the future. And it's fun. It's fun for me. I hope it's fun for you. You know, Lewis Brinson was in there right at the top of the lineup. Uh, Brinson, the top prospect in the organization and a guy who uh, uh, will almost certainly be making his way into Miller Park at some point uh, during the course of this year. You had Brett Phillips in the lineup today. You know, and if we were having this conversation a year ago, we'd really be talking about the expectations of Phillips and what he's going to be able to turn into. He had a down year last year. He took a step back last year. Uh, repeated double-A, and that happens with guys. I think this is a big year for him. You know, sometimes a prospect who you hear a lot about has a has an issue in the minor leagues, and they have a year where it doesn't go so well. That's actually a pretty common thing. While it might delay their time of arrival to the big leagues by a year, one year of taking a step back is not the worst thing in the world. But if it turns into a multiple-year sort of thing, if, if there's two consecutive years of a guy not living up to expectations, then that's when there starts to be an issue. So Brett Phillips getting some time in uh, big league camp. He came out of the game, and uh, he was replaced by another guy who was acquired in the uh, in the Jonathan Lucroy trade last year in Ryan Cordell, the number 16 prospect, a guy who hasn't touched AAA yet, and he's been doing some nice things in some of these big league games, and that's that's good to see. Um, another individual who's been playing a bit during the course of uh, spring, and it's it's fun to see him, but also somebody who's not that close to the big leagues. Uh, Mauricio Dubon, he was the individual that came back over in the Tyler Thornburg deal. Uh, last year, he got up to double-A. He was with Portland in the Eastern League, where he hit 339. He's a middle infielder. He's been continuing to, uh, to go out there and play just a bit. And he's played in seven games. He has a 182 average. I mean, he's not doing anything to especially make you think that he's you know, going to challenge for a job. But then probably the most interesting case of anybody so far is that of Lucas Ersig, a guy who was a major college guy. I can't remember the circumstances of why he had to leave his college. I don't know if it was grades. I don't know if it was Scott. I, like, I don't remember what it was. But he ends up going to an NAIA school. I think it was Menlo College, if I remember correctly. And then he gets drafted last year. He was a second-round draft pick, I think. And so far in big league camp, he is uh, really doing a nice job. In six games, he's hitting 455. He's five for 11. He's he's got seven RBIs, two home runs. He hit a grand slam the other day. There's video all over the internet if you want to see it for yourself. Uh, he parked the ball on the roofing structure of the pavilion or whatever it is out in right field. They were in Goodyear when it happened. I mean, it was a bomb. And there's been some questions about, you know, Travis Shaw at third base. How much is he really, is he a guy that is a stopgap measure for the Brewers? Or is he someone that could be there for the long haul? I think a lot of people view him more as a stopgap kind of guy. We had uh, we had Robert Murray on. Was it last week, Ashton? Yeah, it was last Thursday. We had Robert Murray on from FanRag Sports, and he was fairly critical of Travis Shaw in terms of what he can do defensively. Now, I haven't seen enough of Shaw yet, and I think 
I'm not trying to put down Robert at all. I really enjoy reading his stuff. I think he saw one game of Shaw, so he could have been having a, a bad day. But, you know, Shaw's a guy who was a first baseman, moved over to third. There's, there's definitely some questions about, is he going to be the long-term third baseman for the Brewers? Well, if he's not, Lucas Ersig is a guy who probably at some point this season might see AAA. Uh, he's you know he's a college guy. He's a four-year college guy. You move those guys through the system significantly faster than you move a guy who's coming out of high school or even a guy who uh, played just a, a couple years in college. When you've got somebody like Ersig who has some has a little bit more age than some other folks, you move them through the system relatively quickly. Again, he's not going to break camp, but you look at that. You look at the lineup today, and you start to really think about these guys and when they're going to get to Milwaukee and what it's going to look like. And that's not taking anything away from this current group. You know, everybody wants to talk about Lewis Brinson. Everybody wants to talk about Lewis Brinson. Ashton wants to talk about Lewis Brinson. You know what? The Without Lewis Brinson, I think the Brewers' outfield is still a strength. I like Keon Broxton in center field. I think Domingo Santana is going to be guy, the guy this year that everybody thought he was going to be last year. And Santana's putting up okay numbers in spring. Let me bring him up. Uh, he has played in eight games. He's hitting 320. He's got three home runs and eight RBIs in, in eight games. That's good. He's put up big numbers. Now, he put up big numbers last year in spring training as well. But I think Santana comes through. He had a good end of the season last year once he got healthy. And then Braun and left. Like, there's, there's no reason to rush up Lewis Brinson. Because when you bring a Brinson up, somebody's going to lose their job, too. And not that I'm overly worried about guys losing their jobs. When it's time to bring Brunson up, it's time to bring Brunson up. You you worry about wins over somebody losing their job, and I get that. But there's nothing wrong with Kirk Neuenheis. Having Neuenheis as a fourth outfielder, a guy who absolutely raked in games at Miller Park last year, a pretty good defender, a guy that if, you know, if a Keon Broxton does not continue to play as well this year as he did at the end of last year, that's a great security blanket to have in Neuenheis because he can go out and play a solid center field. There's no reason to hurry anybody up. And there's there's a lot of questions on the infield for the Brewers. Thames is a question. Um, uh, Shaw is a question. Arcee is a question. The, the most consistent answer you have, the guy who is least questionable on the infield, is Jonathan VR. And he's playing a defensive position that he's barely played. So there, there are questions on the infield. If you want to force a guy up, speed a guy up, it's probably on the infield. I think the outfield is in perfectly good shape. So speaking of that infield, specifically at first base, at what point do we start looking at the numbers and start going, uh-oh, is it now? Is it a week from now? Is it two weeks from now? Is it never? Are you saying, come on, Matt, it's spring training. None of these numbers matter. Unless you're competing for a job, it doesn't matter. You're fine. We'll get into that next. Uh, you can uh, join us, if you'd like, on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. It's Brewers Weekly. We have more in a moment on WTMJ. Weekly continues here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley, 414-799-1620. The Acunet Mortgage 
talk and text line available to you. He has his finger on the political pulse of Wisconsin. She is at the helm of one of the state's top athletic departments. Journal Sentinel reporter Bob Glauber and UW-Milwaukee athletic director Amanda Braun uh, joins Scafidi and Bill Stead's Friday Forum at 2.07 tomorrow. Friday, the weekend's almost here. Thank you so much for uh, being speaking of stuff that's almost here. Brewer season, regular season, is just about here. And that's uh, that's certainly exciting. You know, I, I want to get into a conversation here about when numbers start to matter in spring training. And quite honestly, it's not a uh, it's not a one size fits all discussion. Like if Ryan Braun doesn't get a single hit in spring training, you know how worried I am about him not being ready to go. I'm not, and you shouldn't be either. Uh, there's not a lot of guys like that on uh, on the roster. I'm trying to think who else is on the roster. Ashton, is there anybody else on the roster for the Brewers that if they, you know, if spring training ends and they just had a horrendous spring training that you're not a little bit concerned? Even Jonathan VR because he's got he's got one year of a track record. I don't think there's anybody who has enough of a track record that I wouldn't be worried. Like Kirk Neuenheis might actually be on that list because he's someone who ha- has played a little bit. We kind of know what he's going to be. Can you, for defensive purposes, say either of the catchers? Could you pin that on them? Uh, Just defensively, because I know offense, obviously, that comes with at-bats. Yeah, I I don't know. Like th- Those guys don't have a track record, but they're known as, as good defensive catchers. Like I'm not, I guess I'm not worried about their defensive ability. But if one of them has nine pass balls in spring training, guess what? I'm going to be worried. I'm absolutely going to be worried. But if Ryan Braun has seven airs in left field in spring training, I'm not going to be worried. He's got the track record. So it's all about track record for me. Maybe I'm alone on that. So I say all that to say this. It's an experiment. It is an absolute experiment with Eric Thames. And what I mean by that is nobody has any clue. Nobody has any clue what he's going to do this year. The money they spent on him was a gamble. I mean, it wasn't going to the Potawatomi and throwing 20 bucks on red, but it was a gamble. And it was a calculated gamble, but it was a gamble. Because the, the pitching that he was facing in Korea was not good. It was probably just short of AAA, a little bit better than AA. It was like double-A level pitching, but guys who can throw breaking balls for strikes. Because you never see a breaking ball for strikes, basically, at double-A or below. Like, you see a lot of fastballs. It's not until you get to triple-A that you all of a sudden start seeing guys being able to really command a breaking pitch. So we just don't know. And then he has a bit of a track record in American baseball from before he went to Korea. But evidently, he has completely changed his swing. So we can't take a single number from when he was uh, previously in the United States. We don't really know how the numbers from Korea translate to the numbers of the United States. There's people a lot smarter than me who have used advanced metrics to kind of try to figure it out, to look at guys who have played in Korea and played here and you know throw it all into some sort of algorithm and, and bring something out. And that's all fine and dandy. There's a lot of algorithms in baseball that are pretty darn cool. But, but this doesn't tell you anything. This is 
baseball general managers across the board are watching this. This is the greatest test in terms of signing guys from Korea. If Eric Thames comes out and hits 25-plus home runs, hits for average, drives in runs, it is going to revolutionize the way baseball general managers view signing players out of Korea. It absolutely will. But right now, his spring training numbers, not especially good. Now, it's good we're having the conversation today, and we're not having it two days ago, because over the course of the last two days, he's gone two for three, and it's bumped his average up from 125 to 211. But 211 is still not good. And the number that is, some of the numbers that are more worrisome, he doesn't have a home run yet. He was putting up baseball card numbers in Korea in terms of the numbers of home runs he was hitting. You know, 40-plus home runs playing in a season that's 20, 25 games less than what is played this year in the big leagues or now in the big leagues. Uh, Six strikeouts and 19 at-bats. That's about a third of his at-bats are ending in strikeouts. That number's okay if you're driving in runs. It's not okay if you're not. He's slugging 263. That's a flat-out bad number, but that goes along with the batting average. So the the point is, right now, we can just mention these numbers and go forward. Next week, two weeks from now, yeah, those numbers start mattering. And we keep our eye on Jesus Aguilar, a guy who led AAA in home runs last year. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he did it in the International League. And if you're not real familiar with AAA baseball... There's two leagues. There's the International League and the Pacific Coast League. Your leaders in the two leagues are going to have extremely different kind of numbers because the Pacific Coast League is a hitter's ballpark. In fact, let's see if I can do this real quick. Last year in the Pacific Coast League, uh, you had you had multiple guys with 25 or more home runs. Uh, four, it looks like, in the International League. And I don't know this ahead of time, so watch this number come back and uh, be completely against what I'm what I'm trying to say. But in the International League, you, you had two. You had two guys at 25 home runs or more. So you had half as many players. Uh, and Jesus Aguilar hit 30 in the IL. That was pretty impressive. And he's killing it right now in spring training. Nine games, he's hitting 474, two home runs, six RBIs. He's only struck out three times in 19 at-bats. So he's putting together uh, quite the spring. And maybe at some point in time it becomes a bit of a situation over at first base if Eric Thames doesn't start hitting. Still early to talk about it. Still early. But something to keep an eye on. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line available, 414-799-1620. Ryan Braun's legacy. Let's get into it next on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Watching change play out in your very own neighborhood can be a strange thing. Our own Gene Miller reflects on learning that Coles will move out of Southridge Mall. That's in his latest blog up now in the Wisconsin's Morning News section of WTMJ.com. 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can talk, you can uh, text us, you can call us, you can do whatever you want. You can just sit there and listen, and I've got no problem with that. Uh, I, I appreciate it. So there's a uh, there's a column in the Journal Sentinel 
written by uh, Gary Damato. You can check it out. It's, well, good good column. He spoke with Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun was very open about uh, mistakes that he has made uh, in the past. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll read. Let's just start this conversation with this. I read this quote, and this is from Ryan Braun, talking about the usage of PDs and then all the junk that went along with it afterwards. Obviously, it was the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life, and I had the uh, and if I had the opportunity to go back and do it differently, I would. But I don't have that opportunity. Then talking about uh, the fans and, and the community of Milwaukee, I do think they appreciate the things I've done in the community and the things I can t- continue to do. But more than anything, I appreciate the support that they've given to me. It's something that means a lot to me. Something that obviously I'll never forget. Braun put together a really good season last year. A very, very, very good season. And he played in, I think, more games than most people expected. Like, I didn't have a problem. There are people out there who didn't like the fact that he only played in 135 games. I didn't have a problem with the 135. I thought that was a that was a good place for him to be coming off back surgery. I'd like that to be closer to 145 this year. You know, he talks about playing in 150 games. They're still going to give him scheduled off days. 150 seems a bit aggressive, especially as cold as it can be in the first couple months of the season. But anyways, I'm getting off track here. The point of the column was the it was the Really, the legacy of Ryan Braun and how he's going to be viewed moving forward. And D'Amato says it, and I agree. Quote, going strictly by the numbers, unless he is traded or his career is curtailed by injury, Braun could go down as the greatest player ever to wear a Brewer's uniform. I don't think you can argue that from a statistical perspective. You know, if to you... The greatest player in a uniform has to do with everything. If you judge it the same way, you know, the Hall of Fame judges the way uh, players get in, that's a different conversation. But from a pure numbers standpoint, there is a chance that Ryan Braun could go down as the greatest player of all time in Brewers history, especially if he continues his career here. And I think right now the trajectory is that he does continue on here. I don't get the sense that they're, they're, they're fixing to trade him. Now, maybe that all changes. If somebody really needs an outfielder at the deadline last year and they just knock the socks off of David Stearns on a deal, maybe that changes. But right now, I don't get the sense that he's going to be moved. And I hope that he can be part of this organization once they do get back into the postseason here, um, hopefully sooner than later. But this, So this is what really stuck out to me, though, about this column. A question, a somewhat proverbial question is asked inside of it. But will he be as beloved as Hall of Famers Robin Yount and Paul Molitor, or as cherished as blue-collar favorites Gorman Thomas and Jim Gannon? Like, I know the answer to that question. I think everybody knows the answer to that question. No, absolutely not. Now, I bet as time goes on, as he retires, if he still makes a lot of appearances the way a lot of Brewers alumni do continue to make appearances. I'm sure the, the, the vitriol that does still exist from a certain percentage of the, the, the fan base in the community, I'm sure that will dissipate as time goes on. But no, no, 
He is never going to be as beloved as a Robin Yount. He just isn't. Because uh, there are people who are never going to forget. That's the way things are. And, you know, I, one of your first reactions is to say, well, is that fair? Yeah, it is fair, because he's the guy who, you know, he kind of did it to himself. But it's when you talk about the legacy, and anytime you talk about someone's legacy before they have, you know, before it's complete, he still has a he still has an incomplete on his legacy. He still has a lot of baseball left to be played. But this is gonna be fun to watch out and watch for. You know, when he's done playing baseball, whether it's five years from now, seven years from now, who knows, ten years from now, that would be that'd be pretty spectacular. But he take care of his body like like nobody else. What's that legacy going to look like? And it's a conversation for a later day, but it's also a conversation for today because it was brought up in this uh, in this column, and, and I find it to be interesting. But I would bet, I would say there's a, there's a large percentage of the Brewers fan base that no, will never beloved Ryan Braun the same way that you you do so, and, and the same way you view a Robin Yount, a Paul Molitor, those guys. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty is the Acunet Mortgage toll free talk and text line, so you can call, you can text if you want to talk about this uh, Braun conversation, talk about his, uh, if you want to get into his legacy, we'll 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 take your phone calls on it. I know there's a lot of people out there that that really don't like him. Maybe you don't even like the idea of us saying his numbers could put him as the best brewer of all time. Either way. We'll gladly take your phone calls. Again, uh, 414-799-1620, the text line available as well. It is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Brewers Weekly. We'll continue on in just a moment here on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continuing here on WTMJ. Just how active will the Packers be during the free agency period, and what's the latest development progress in Green Bay's Titletown District? Team President and CEO Mark Murphy joins Scafidi and Billstad at 2.45 tomorrow afternoon. My name is Matt Pauley. We're continuing to talk a bit about uh, Ryan Braun. Still have some time for some phone calls if you want to get in here uh, discussing the legacy of Ryan Braun. And it's funny to talk about a guy's legacy when he still has a lot of time left. But it got brought up in a column in the Journal Sentinel, and I thought it would be an interesting conversation to get into today. Does How much is his legacy affected by the mistakes he has made previously with performance-enhancing drugs? It's there. You know what? Well, the sad thing about it is, as the, as the column indicates, depending on what happens over the next few years, and if he stays with Milwaukee, his numbers could make him the greatest player in the history of the Milwaukee Brewers, just from a number standpoint. Yet because of a decision that he made, there's there's always going to be people, there's going to be a percentage of the fan base that look at him in a very different kind of way. And it's always going to cloud stuff for some. For others, it's not going to cloud it. And, and I think that's the thing we do need to remember about the, the PED era of baseball. I promise you, there's people in the Hall of Fame and getting into the Hall of Fame who never had a rumor or a rumbling about anything PED related, and they were users. And we look at them and say, "Oh, they were just—they they were the best. They were absolutely—you know—they they did it clean, and they didn't." 
There, there's going to be guys like that. And I'm not saying any anybody is right or any. I'm not, I'm not saying that's right, but I'm saying those guys' legacy will not be tarnished, and and bronze uh, bronze will be to a certain extent. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's get to uh, Steve and Muskego. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. My thoughts are for the night. Um, I'm almost 30 years old, and in my, my lifetime of Brewers baseball, as long as I can remember, the, the biggest offensive stars for the Brewers have been, the first two that come to mind are, are Prince and Braun. And no matter how, many, how much you talk about those other names, and uh, I, believe, I believe everything I hear about those names of the past, but for my lifetime, Braun, Braun and Fielder have been the two biggest names, and I... That'll be what I'll remember as as I continue to grow up. All right, Steve. Great phone call. Appreciate it. That's the other side of it that I didn't even bring up. You know, a lot of times it, we think of baseball and we say we all kind of remember the past and, and, you know, history is such a part of the sport that it, it all kind of gets thrown in together. If you're asking the question about will Ryan Braun be um, loved as much as a, a Robin Younter or Paul Molitor, there is a certain there's a certain group of people that are too young to remember those guys, but they are going to always remember Ryan Braun. They always are going to remember Prince Fielder and what some of those teams did. We'll wrap up this conversation and wrap up the program. Next, it is uh, Brewers Weekly on WTMJ.